Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This week, Neil Hughes joins me on the show, and we talk about the possibility of Apple making a HomePod with a screen, the future of Apple TV, Neil's hilarious editorial about the Intel ad campaign, and his experience with Apple Fitness Plus. This episode is brought to you by Smart Asset. Get a free personalized retirement planning report at smartasset.com slash appleinsider. And the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. Get 15% off Nebbia products at nebbia.com slash appleinsider. This episode is brought to you by Ladder. Go to ladderlife.com slash appleinsider to see if you're instantly approved for term life insurance. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and I am very excited to have back on the show after six years. I looked up the last time we actually were on this very podcast together, but Neil Hughes, you are back at Apple Insider and now back on the podcast, man. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, great to be back. Uh, time time flies for sure. For those of you who don't know me, I was uh, managing editor of Apple Insider for about 10 years, so I'm not new around here. Um, and if you check iTunes reviews of this podcast from the last time Stephen and I were on it, about 2015 or so, I'm a myopic whining guy from Brooklyn. So, uh, <laughs> so I have I have street cred uh, if, if if you're unfamiliar. But yeah, really really happy to be back and uh, uh, looking forward to digging in and uh, talking about some stuff. Yeah, man, it's funny. I looked it back up the first time you were on the show. I was on uh, episode one starting the show, but episode three, February 12th, 2015, you and I were on the show and we talked about, I guess, the MacBook Air and Apple TV and something else. So Apple TV is going to come first circle as we talk about that in a minute. But six years, man, that's wild. And the Apple TV is a constant disappointment. So nothing changes. <laughs> okay, well, we will get to that in a moment. Uh, let me hit the, the, the latest kind of leaks and rumors that came out, which is just a few, really about the refreshed iMac and iPads that are imminent. Surely they're coming out soon, but there was a leak in one of the Big Sur betas that alluded to the new model iMacs. Again, these are the IMAX that have leaked. John Prosser had the renders. The Apple Silicon M1X, or whatever chip they call it, will hopefully be coming very soon, maybe at this mysterious April event. And then also the A14X chip was, again, as yet unreleased, but is believed to be in the upcoming iPad Pro refresh. And an iOS 14.5 beta seems to reference that chip. So again, just more information pointing to hopefully these things are going to come out soon. And as far as an iPad Pro is, I mean, my body is ready. I mm -hmm. want a new iPad Pro. We'll be jumping on that as soon as it's available. I, I haven't gone M1 yet. I'm still running a Nobody's perfect, Neil. 13 inch okay. MacBook Pro. Well, you know, I'm still running a 13-inch MacBook Pro Intel. I have an external graphics card that's been giving me a lot of issues. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for the switch, but I need the higher end models to come out. I can't I can't deal with with some of the issues that they have right now with the display constraints and stuff. Right. The iMac, I will say, that feels more like a WWDC thing than mm. an April thing. Sure. Um, it feels like the April thing. They're going to let the iPad stand on its own. I'm super excited about this new iPad and specifically on the 12.9 inch model because I like my jumbo sized iPad. I really want to see what they're doing. Is it micro LED, mini LED? What, what What's the technology they're supposed to be using on this thing? <laughs> the mini LED display. Also, just a word of like how loose you seem coming back to Apple Insider. You're just like, you're writing the hit pieces on Intel. You're just being like, what's that thing called? I love it. This is a great, great version of Neil. <laughs> You know, it's when I was here before, I ran the news side and, and did all that, and now I don't, so I don't have to worry about the daily grind as much. So it's nice to to cut loose and and uh, not be as uh, straight newsman. My background's in the newspaper business, so oh wow, covering politicians and and being uh, kind about it and all that. I don't have to do that anymore. So <laughs> that's nice. But yeah, I mean, this, this iPad Pro, the mini LED screen, which is supposedly from the rumors, looks like it might just be on the larger 12.9 inch iPad Pro which mm -hmm. will make me switch to that larger one. But you sound like you use the larger one by default. Yeah, I have the larger one and I re really, really enjoy it. I'm looking forward to this new upgrade. So one of the things, and we'll get into my Apple Fitness Plus review later in the podcast, I know, but one of the things that uh, kind of annoys me about the current iPad setup, which is also a limitation of the M1 chip, is the external monitor support is kind of crap, right? Right. You plug it in and you basically get the same 4x3 display that the iPad is showing rather than treating it as a true second external monitor. So one of the rumors that's out there that I saw is that it's going to have a proper Thunderbolt port. Right. And so I'm hoping that at least we can get what we have on the M1 Max, which is one external monitor. Because, I mean, I've always been a big proponent of the iPad as the computer that is what you need in that moment. When it's stripped mm. down, it's just a screen and you can work with it. But when you connect a keyboard to it, a mouse, a monitor, whatever else, you can basically turn. I mean, you know, this is supposed to be rumored to be running an equivalent of the M1 chip. In theory, they're not going to do this, of course, but in theory, 
you could take something like that, dock it, and have it run Mac OS with an external monitor, right? Yeah. It's got the horsepower for it. It's got the capabilities. It's the same components. I don't see them doing that, but what I would like to see is having proper dual and external monitor support where I can sit down, dock my iPad, connect it to a monitor, and in many cases not need a Mac anymore. Yeah, I mean, and that's what Wes Hilliard does at Apple Insider, and a lot of people try to do that that sole iPad thing. For me, I still run into those weird copy and paste issues, or if I try to do a side-by-side app, like it doesn't know where I'm copying or pasting, and yeah. I still get a little frustrated with that, and so I still go to the Mac for you know a certain percentage. But I do love the iPad, and I do all my podcast editing on there for sure. Yeah, I think the thing with the iPad is it's always had great hardware and the software just doesn't live up to it, mm-hmm. right? The multitasking experience is clunky at best. I love my iPad. I think it's a great device, but it just feels like Apple needs to take the training wheels off, you know? Like right. we need to have proper multitasking uh, interface on there and we need true pro apps, which we don't have right now. So hopefully those will be coming soon. And if there is an April event, do you think there's going to be an April event? Let me ask you that. Yeah, I, there's got to be at this point. It feels like April yeah. and then we'll get WWDC, maybe June, maybe July. I guess it doesn't matter when you don't have to have a live event. And I would say probably IMAX then. It's feeling like MacBook Pro is maybe a little bit later in the year. Yeah. They're going to slowly drag these out uh, to, to get these, uh, to get switched over to the new chip. So the IMAX seems like a good contender for the next one. There were some hidden sensors in the HomePod Mini that were just recently uncovered, and it seems wild that no one saw these for literally months as this HomePod Mini's been out. But there's a temperature and humidity sensor that was discovered inside with the help of iFixit, and I think 9to5 uncovered it. But it's pointing to possible a software update in the future could enable these, and maybe they would become HomeKit triggers or HomeKit sensors for temperature and humidity. And this kind of goes along with some of the other HomePod rumors And this is something that Mark Gurman said offhand in an article, but with the large HomePod discontinued, which I'd love to hear if if you're as sad about that as I am or if you don't care, but I'd love to hear. But Mark Gurman talking about the upcoming leaks and rumors, he mentioned this like in half a sentence. He said, quote, Apple has been developing new speakers with screens and cameras. And so that little offhanded comment has now spun out a world of possibilities of could Apple bring back (laughs) a large speaker type device, but then also add a screen much like the Echo Show from Amazon or the Nest Home Hub from Google. So love to talk about that too. But do you care about that big HomePod being discontinued? I'm still a little sad about it. I'll be honest. Yeah, no, I'm super bummed about it. I'm a little salty too, because I bought two HomePods at launch and one of them has this weird bug where the microphone shorts out and makes a popping noise. So I have to disable Siri on it. Mm. And I tried to send it back to Apple for repair. And they're like, oh yeah, we'll repair it for you for $380 or $280 or whatever it was. And it was like, wait a minute, I could just buy a a new HomePod. And they were like, yep. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not doing that. (laughs) Oh, that was about the time that the HomePod Mini was announced too, so I just replaced it with a Mini. Sure. So I have one functioning HomePod, and then I have one that I don't use Siri with. I just use it as a speaker. But yeah, I love it. It sounds great. I like high-end audio uh, pieces, and and I wrote something um, this last week talking about how I think that the AirPods Max are destined to fail, mm. um, which I, I thought paired in a weird way nicely with your video that you had on on yes. classical music experts listening to the HomePod. I, I enjoyed that video quite a bit. You know, it's one of those things where it's like just because. I like it doesn't mean that I think it's a mass consumer device. And at $350 or whatever, it ended up being priced $300 in the end. I think it launched at $350. Yeah. It, was, it was overpriced. And most people, I liked it. Absolutely. I wanted it, yeah. but I just don't think that that most people want that. And, and I think that the AirPods Max kind of fell in that are going to fall in that same category. Well, they'll keep it around for a few years. And, yeah. you know, I think we should be happy that it exists. But it's not like we're going to get another $550 set of AirPods Max in the next three, four years. Like it's, you know, it's probably a one and done product setting the stage for something for something cheaper. So I'm, I'm disappointed that the home, the giant HomePod is, is dead, uh, but I'm glad it exists. For sure. And my situation is I have three working big HomePods or giant HomePods, as you call them. And so I'm like, do I buy one more to get two stereo pairs if I ever want to do that? But then all there seems to be available are the white ones. And I have all black ones. So I'm like, do I have no. I go three black, one white? So I haven't decided yet. Maybe by the end of this episode, I'll, I'll buy one on air. I'm not sure. Because <laughs> OWC has them on sale for like 250 My setup is a little ridiculous because so I used to live in, in Florida. Uh, you currently live in Florida, Stephen. Yeah. And I had a, a, a normal Florida size house, which is say, you know, two stories. 
And I would have people over for parties. This is, you know, circa 2009, 2010. And I was all in on AirPlay. I had Airport Expresses set up everywhere yeah, yeah. to have music synced up through the house. So I've been a big proponent of AirPlay for a long time now. And then, and then I moved to Brooklyn and I have this very tiny apartment. But you don't get rid of technology when you got it, right? It's like, well, I'll put a speaker here. Sure. I'll put a speaker there. Sure. And then AirPlay 2 came out. I started upgrading stuff. So I have way too many speakers per square foot in my apartment. It's like, it's kind of absurd <laughs> to have three HomePods and a HomePod mini or, or two HomePods, a HomePod mini, a Sonos uh, one yeah. and a Denon receiver with an Apple TV plugged into it. Wait, wait, hold on. Den- is it actually Denon? I've always said Denon. You're probably right. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I like, Denon. I think German. I don't know. I don't know okay. how to pronounce it. Uh, and then I have a uh, Airport Express as well. So yeah. So I have like way too many speakers for a very small place. Uh, as you so do. I suppose if they if some of them died off and I had to get rid of them, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like you, I, I like good audio quality. Like I appreciate it. If I want to listen to music, I want nice bass. And that's something the HomePod mini does not provide, even in a stereo pair. It just does not sound even like one giant HomePod. This episode is brought to you by Smart Asset. Did you know that people who work with financial advisors end up with 15% more money to spend in retirement? No matter what stage of life you're in, thinking about your financial future doesn't have to keep you up at night. Thanks to SmartAsset.com, the service that over half a million people have trusted to help them find a financial advisor, there's a free and easy path to financial peace of mind. SmartAsset.com has built a safe and convenient tool to find vetted financial advisors in your area. You know, when I tried to get into investment myself, it can be a very confusing world. What do I invest in? Where do I put my money? And obviously there's risk involved. You don't want to lose what you invest. That's why having a financial advisor can give you that peace of mind knowing that you are making the best decisions with your money. So here's how it works. You begin by taking Smart Assets short quiz at smartasset.com slash appleinsider. I've taken this quiz and I have to tell you, just knowing the questions that they're asking helps me think about my financial future. What am I going to prioritize? What do I hope to do in retirement? Am I thinking about college savings accounts for my kids? This test is a great way just to gauge your current financial status. Then within minutes, Smart Asset will match you with three pre-screened fiduciaries, each legally obligated to act in your best interest. They'll also send you a free personalized retirement planning guide with actionable advice so you can feel confident in your next steps. And that's free. You get it automatically. Take control of your financial future today with Smart Asset. To receive your free personalized retirement planning report, go to smartasset.com slash Apple Insider. Your report will provide personalized insights on your retirement readiness. So visit smartasset.com slash Apple Insider today. Our thanks to Smart Asset for sponsoring this episode. To the idea that Apple you know, discontinued this compared to the AirPods Max, I was actually listening to, I think it was John Gruber on his talk show, talking about why they discontinued it. Obviously, it was the price. Obviously, it was the feature set. Like Siri especially was not good when the HomePod launched. Like most people had an aversion to it, even if it was just from their past experience to Siri. But with the HomePod, it's interesting because Apple devices with a lot of people have that kind of status or icon appeal, Mm -hmm. where if you use it out and about, like AirPods, iPhone, people like that people see them using Apple devices. And when you make a device specifically for the home, like the HomePod never leaves the house. Like you're not going to use it anywhere outside. You're not going to take it on the subway. And to spend that kind of money, and this sounds very superficial, but I feel like this is actually a big thing that goes into Apple products and why people buy the latest and want the newest and whatever looks the newest. You know, no one's ever going to know you have a HomePod. You know, you could have 18 of them and no one's going to know unless they actually come to your house. And for all Apple products, like it does not have that outside luxury appeal or status appeal or whatever that is. Even if that's not why you're buying it, I think there's a segment of people that want it. I've heard people talk about, especially in the Asian markets, that having a phone that looks new is a big deal. Right. The new colors are big sellers because it shows that you have the latest. Right. Because like a lot of the S cycles, if the iPhone looks just like last year's iPhone but has new features, that's not as enticing because no one 
one will know you have the newest one. So doing something that physically differentiates the new model is a big deal. So anyway. So what you're telling me, Steve, is a lot of people will live really sad lives. Listen, I'm, it's a factor. I'm just saying it's a factor. <laughs> so going to AirPods Max, while I am inclined to agree that AirPods Max are not going to be like a long-term product line, I think there's a slightly better chance because there is that segment of people that can wear AirPods Max out and about and feel like they not only got a good product with good audio, but it also adds that like people see me wearing them. I know that sounds super superficial, but I think that's a factor. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's a fashion statement too. You want headphones that look good. I mean, listen, I want a pair of AirPods Max, but I would like to be able to use them with an Apple TV right. that supports spatial audio, which we don't have. I'm currently, as we speak right now, wearing a pair of Master and Dynamic MW65s, which I think are $500 headphones. Like, I'm not saying that because stuff is expensive means it's bad, but you know, there were people in the comments uh, on, on my piece saying, oh no, the HomePod wasn't overpriced. It was just, you know, the market didn't understand it. Well, <laughs> good luck with that argument. Like, it's a good thing you don't run a business. <laughs> like, come on. Right, right, like, right. you know, you, you got to sell at the end of the day. And if it doesn't sell enough, then you got to make those decisions. And I'm sure Apple didn't want to discontinue the HomePod, but ultimately the numbers were there. It didn't sell enough. Right. And the market wants cheaper stuff. So I would expect for the AirPods Max, probably going to be the same thing where you'll have a mid-range, call it a sport model or whatever, priced at 300 $350 replaces whatever the Beat Studio is at that lineup eventually, or at least as a companion to it. Looks kind of the same, uses some cheaper materials. And I think they could find some success there, but $550 for something that doesn't even work with all the products in the lineup right now. Right. I, listen, I want the AirPods Max. Just because yeah. I'm I'm being realistic about it doesn't mean that I don't think it's a good product. I just don't think sure. that most people are going to do that. Yeah, I agree. And it, it needs to come to the Apple TV spatial audio. And, and we'll talk about the Apple TV in a second. But give me your thoughts on this idea of Apple may release another HomePod device that's a larger speaker, but then have a screen, a la the Echo Show or the Nest Home Hub. You know, obviously, both those competitors have those products already and has had them for a couple of years. And for me, I mean, that kind of product would be enticing from Apple, especially you think of the kitchen scenario where maybe you're running multiple timers, you're looking at a recipe, and you want to play music. I'd be all about some kind of Apple speaker device that has Siri and a screen. I'm big on HomeKit, too. You know, it can be used as a HomeKit control station to control some lights, set some scenes. You know, if people don't want to use Siri to do that kind of stuff, you could have a, a visual representation. I would just want it to sound good. I'd like it to sound closer to the big HomePod sound quality than the mini. And I'm not sure if that'd be priority, but there's some stiff competition. The The Echo Show, I think, starts at like 100 bucks, and the Nest Home Hub starts around the same thing. You can get the larger one for 230 So I don't know. Do you think that would be an interesting product? You know, I know that Andrew on our team, too, is excited about something like this. Uh, I just don't really see it happening. I'm, I'm sure Apple has explored it and worked on it because they've got more money than, than anybody could imagine. And why wouldn't they look into it? There's a market there they might see. But I mean, you know, I won't do something as childish as say I'll shave off my eyebrows if they do it. But I really don't think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that's going to happen because uh, let's be real here, right? Like you have a iPad that Apple sells for $330. And if you get it on discount, it's about $280. Yeah. I, I just can't see them creating a dedicated screen that is not meant to be moved, that just sits somewhere. They just tap on a few times when everybody's got a phone, they can get an iPad, that sort of stuff. I just don't think that interacting with that kind of device it has a big enough play. And you can say, oh, well, well, you know, Amazon makes one and whatever. Well, Amazon makes a lot of these devices because they really need to be in your home and they couldn't get into the phone market. That's why they do it. Sure. And they also don't release any release any sales data. So we have no idea, you know, if they're actually selling any of these things or not. Didn't, didn't they have one that was like a fashion focused one where it's like a screen and a camera and it would like digitally put clothes on you or something? That was super creepy. And I think they would like you could get an app and it could do it with your phone, too. I mean, but you had to be like undress to a certain point in order for it to work. And it's like, oh, God, no, yeah, please. Great. No one, no what one could go that. wrong. What could go wrong? <laughs> I, I think a lot of these devices, just because they exist, does not mean they're successful. And for right. a lot of companies, Facebook making them, Amazon making them, they don't have a hardware play in the home. And I mean, you know, you want to talk about creepy. I own an Oculus Quest 2 and there's Facebook scanning the layout of my home That's and true. knowing exactly how <laughs> the, the shape and size of it. There's something to be said for, for Apple staying in this market and offering an alternative for security purposes uh, for consumers who are heavily invested in the Apple ecosystem. I just don't see that adding a cam or adding a, a screen is that much of a value add for that product. 
Yeah, and let alone a camera, like you were going to say, because one of the ideas was, could they add FaceTime to this? So you would have Siri, a speaker, FaceTime, and HomeKit control. And with the camera, you know, Amazon had this one commercial, I don't know if you remember, but it was like a, a elderly father and like an adult son, and the adult son's coming to visit, and he gives him an Echo Show, and kind of like tries to show him how to use it. And father is kind of put off by it at first, but then eventually asks it to play music and loves it. And like one of the selling features is... If you have an elderly relative or a parent and you want to be able to check in on them because maybe they've fallen down or they need help, that you could just pop in without any kind of uh, action on the other person's side. And it's like, well, I feel like with Apple's stance on privacy, that would be – that would not be something they would allow. Like maybe a FaceTime for sure, do a FaceTime call and you can accept or decline it. But to be able to pop in on somebody unannounced feels un-Apple-like. Oh, God, no, it's a security nightmare. These things are just, no, there's no way. You know, then there's like child online protection acts and stuff like that, too, where you might you might potentially be in violation of that stuff with legals. It's just it's not worth it. And and Apple's main thing is is safety, comfort and ease of use. And and part of that, um, and especially they've done this very well with the iPhone and iPad is by creating a safe ecosystem where you know that the apps you can install are trusted, people are more likely to, you know, my parents are, are older, right? And they're afraid to touch their computers because they'll end up, you know, at, with some sort of, you know, Yahoo search bar installed on their browser or something. They, they don't want to touch anything. But when it comes to their iPhone or their iPad, they know that they can install stuff and it's safe. Right. And and they like the convenience of it. You know, my dad is 77 and I got uh, them a HomePod mini for Christmas. They had a full-size HomePod and my dad liked to take it outside on the porch. They live in Florida to listen to music and it's a white HomePod and he would get his oh. dirty hands all over it. And it <laughs> bothered me so much so i got him a black little one yeah and the way they use it is not the way you or i use it they can't figure out how to open the music app and tap the bottom and all that sure they take it outside they plug it in and they talk to siri and say play this and they're very happy with that yeah yeah you you cannot stress how how much of a value that is for people that are not like us at all who are not excited about technology who are intimidated by it that ease of access and that trust that you get from knowing that a company is not going to spy on you not not going to take your information, not going to creepily let somebody turn on a camera and check in on you and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes yeah, yeah. technology more friendly and more accessible. Well, uh, let me get your opinion on this because I'm actually going to pitch this to Andrew on HomeKit Insider too. But if Apple were to make a device that had a screen and a speaker and you used it like in the kitchen or whatever, what would they name it is the question. And here's my here's my two ideas. And I want to say them now in case it ever comes out, then I can claim that I came up with it first. Okay. So they don't do the I anything anymore. You know, Apple doesn't name things with an I in front of the name anymore. But two options. They just call it Apple Home, and it's just Apple Home, like maybe it's all one word, like in their weird way of doing HomePod or something. And it's like your home control, home speaker, or, and this is the one I'm really proud of, you know, they can take this and run with it. They don't even have to pay me for it. But they call it Home Screen. Ooh. Huh? Right? You got Home Kit, Home Screen, all one word, capital H, capital S. I'm just saying- I could see Craig Federighi announcing that on stage at some event. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think Apple is terrible at naming products. Um, <laughs> some of these names, it's like, really, what is this? It feels like something like that would exist in the pod yeah, realm. Yeah. Like, I don't know what what pod has become now. It used to be the iPod. Now it's the HomePod. But AirPods, AirPods you know, I guess audio focused stuff. I feel like even if they added a screen, it would still be primarily voice control and, right, and, right, and right. sound and music. That would be the, the main selling point. Because, again, other than that, just get an iPad, right? Right. So I, I think it would have to be, you know, maybe maybe it's the, the HomePod touch. I don't know. Well, oh. <laughs> sorry. I, just, I, I, I mean, that sounds actually more like something they would actually name. Right. That sounds exactly, yeah. you know, come on. And I really, my wife has a big problem with the AirPods Max naming convention because she's like, those aren't pods. Like you stick pods in your ear, AirPods. Uh, Yeah, it's not a great product name. It really isn't. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by the Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower. Guys, you have heard me talk about Nebbia before, and it is still my favorite shower because not only do I know I'm saving water, but it is just an awesome shower experience, and my entire family loves it. If you didn't hear it, the Nebbia story originated in Mexico City, where water shortages were a big problem. They came to Silicon Valley to raise money, and guess what? None other than Apple's CEO himself, Tim Cook, was Nebbia's first investor. And then the product was developed by former Tesla 
Apple, and NASA engineers. Those are pretty smart people, I'm just saying. And their mission is to save water, and currently, they have saved over 175 million gallons of water with their products. So here's the deal. I know thinking about swapping out your showerhead can seem intimidating, and I'm not a super do-it-yourself guy, but when they send you the package, they send you detailed instructions and all the parts you need to change that showerhead. And it only took me about 15 minutes. It's a super easy process, and you'll be up and running to take a shower in no time. But not only is it easy to install, once you get it in there, it is a great feeling shower. The fancy word for it is it atomizes the water and it basically envelops you like a spa. The shower head is adjustable height-wise, which is great, especially if you have kids like me. And you can even get this wand attachment, which I highly recommend you do. And it goes on this little magnetic dome, sticks on the side of the shower, and it can really make that shower experience next level. And I learned this term from them, thermal comfort. Even while it's saving water, it gets really hot and it feels great as a shower. And this is Nebbia's most advanced and affordable shower yet. It starts at just $1.99. It's available in four finishes. I got the brushed nickel, which is fingerprint resistant, and it looks great against my tile. And I also got some accessories. They have this awesome shower shelf where you can hang your loofahs or put your shampoos on it, and it looks great. Matches the shower and that brushed nickel. And I got little towel hooks that match everything. So my entire shower just looks great, and I know it's a great shower experience. So right now, you can get 15% off Nebbia products as a listener of the Apple Insider Podcast. Nebbia doesn't usually do sales, but they've partnered with us for a long time, and this is a great opportunity for you. Go to nebbia.com slash appleinsider, take a look at their products, and then use the coupon code appleinsider, all one word, when checking out. And you can get 15% off Nebbia products. That's nebbia.com, N-E-B-I-A, dot com slash Apple Insider, and use the coupon code Apple Insider, all one word, at checkout. Our thanks to Nebbia for sponsoring this episode. All right, well, talking about Frankenstein-type devices, you had an article that talked about Apple TV and the case for it. And so some of the other ideas that came out of this, what could Apple put a speaker in, is maybe would Apple make like a sound bar with Apple TV built in or some kind of home theater speaker device and Apple TV is built into that rather than just doing the Apple TV standalone box. And you had a great article, The Case for Apple TV. And before you jump into that, I'll just say, I have two Apple TVs. I actually have three. One is sitting in a drawer because I got 4K, but I love the Apple TV. I use it all the time. It is the gateway to every piece of entertainment that I watch, and my kids use it too. As in your article, you talk about how they could pivot it as a gaming machine and all this, and I know this is, it's not a gaming machine as most video gamers would call. You know, It's not a PS5, not an Xbox One, right? but for younger kids, I have younger kids, and they're all about a lot of the games that they can get on Apple Arcade. They are all into Sneaky Sasquatch, which I would have never guessed. It's a fun one. It is a fun one. And uh, Super Impossible Road came out recently on Apple Arcade. Mm -hmm. Punch Planet, which is like a fighting game. And then The Pathless uh, is a recent release, kind of like an RPG adventure style game. And I have to be real, like even if they didn't have the selection at first, there's some good games on Apple Arcade. And we have the Nimbus Controller. And we also have a Switch. And recently, they'll go back and forth, sometimes playing more on the Apple TV than even on the Nintendo Switch. So I'm all about the Apple TV. I want them to continue with it and grow it into something more or better. But tell me how you feel about it. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that your kids like uh, Apple Arcade because I think I'm the only person over the age of 12 who uses it. <laughs> so like the Pathless is a great one that you mentioned there. Annapurna Interactive put that one out and it mm. came out uh, as an Apple Arcade title on launch day, the same day that it came out for the PS5. So that's a great example. Here's a game that runs on the latest console and it runs on a four-year-old Apple TV and the experience is far worse than the Apple TV as you would expect. Right. It runs great on an iPad. It runs great on an iPhone, but it just does not run great on the Apple TV. There, it, There's a lot of slowdown, stuttering, issues with it, that sort of stuff. So it's, it's this weird thing, right, where the Apple TV is kind of in a strange state of limbo. And so that was the idea of this piece of how do we get it out of this state of limbo? Because for myself as an Apple Arcade player, I would love to just get a brand new box that does the same thing, uh, upgrades the processor, and allows me to play the Pathless, you know, at a full 4K resolution and competes with the PS5 or, you know, something something at least in, in the same ballpark. Yeah. But I realize most people aren't going to do that, right? You know, my parents have an Apple TV. My brother has an Apple TV. Uh, my brother's looking to upgrade. He's got the one that's uh, like three generations old and, and doesn't do the App Store and they're mm. starting to discontinue stuff. Yeah. And I keep telling him, wait, 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 it's not worth the money. Right. But it's like it. the current model streams 4K content perfectly fine. Yeah. You don't need to update the processor for it. But 
at that price at $179, it does not compete with, you know, $50 streaming sticks. It's just not a good value. Right. And so if you upgrade it for gamers, well, that's great. But who's actually gaming on this thing other than me and your kids? And <laughs> who's going to use the processor for games? And then if the streaming works exactly the same as it did before, then it's not really that compelling of an upgrade. So you might as well just drop the price on the current model to, you know, $99 or less and yeah. keep doing that. So the idea of it, the piece was to try to find a way to grow the platform, justify its existence in a way that goes beyond just streaming, to justify the use of Apple Arcade, but also acknowledging the fact that most people probably don't care about Apple Arcade. Most people probably are not going to be playing games on there. They're not going to be connecting their Xbox controller to it or picking up a SteelSeries Nimbus and all that. So one of the options on there was to introduce a new box, but bundle it with a controller, whether that's an Xbox controller or something else. And I think that would go a long way just because right now, how many people know that you can connect an Xbox controller to your Apple TV, honestly? You know, I don't know what the data is on that, but I'm guessing a lot of people have no idea and have never done it, never bothered checking it out, don't really care. But this is a great value add for upselling people on on Apple One. If you want to get people on your services business, you say, hey, listen, there's a ton of great games. The Pathless is on there. Uh, One of my favorite games um, from a couple of years ago, Sayonara Wild Hearts, was a a launch title for uh, Apple Arcade. It's a fantastic game. One of the the greatest the last 10 years. There it is. It's available on your phone, on on your Apple TV, all that. You would think that the dedicated box that sits under your TV is constantly plugged in would give you the best graphical experience, but because of the way that technology improves, your iPhone and your iPad are going to give you a much better experience. So gaming is there. I I don't know, you know, that they'll bother to invest in it any more than they have just because it's not that big of a market. But yeah, there were some other ideas on there about integrating into a sound bar because we all know that the the built-in sound on your TV is crap. Um, And a lot of people buy sound bars. So integrating an Apple TV into that might make sense. And then going back to what we were talking about with, you know, a home pod touch or whatever we want to call it the what, what was your name what was the one that you had <laughs> oh it's the home screen home it's screen home screen. thank you in a, in a theoretical home screen you could see where these devices would double as mesh routers right and cover all your wi-fi dead spots and so we could bring back airplay and integrate it into these devices um if apple's going to start having you know connected devices throughout your house these were just some ideas that i threw out there just ways that they could do a value add and justify charging 180 200 for a box um, and selling it to people. Because otherwise, the alternative is you sell a $50 streaming stick like the you know Chromecast or whatever, right. um, which doesn't have as many capabilities, but at least it's that low price point, which is exactly what they did with the Home HomePod Mini. Go for the lower price point and, and, and get more market share. Yeah, and I would say, I would love to see them do the two-tier thing, like do the stick that's 40 or $50. Maybe you can't get Apple Arcade on it, or you can only get certain games on it, and you know there's some kind of restriction to it. Right. But hit that price point so you can compete with the Fire Stick and the Google Chromecast. You get the best Apple TV original content experience and all that. I mean, they're really hitting Apple TV original content hard, mm-hmm. and I think they have some good stuff on there, too. I mean, I, I've it's enjoyed yeah. yeah, a lot of their dramas, the shows. You know, They even have motion pictures, the documentary, Billie Eilish, big hit. So they have the content. So say, hey, get the best experience for Apple TV Plus original content here's a stick 40 50 bucks and you get airplay you know have fun 4k streaming all that and then do maybe it's 200 dollars, which is not much more than the current one but 200 dollars that's a powerful processor in a box that is maybe bundled with a nimbus controller or some other controller and it's like hey get this as a gaming alternative Mm -hmm. because i've even when my family has traveled like on vacation or whatever I don't like bringing expensive game systems just in case they get lost. My kids have literally lost a Nintendo Switch in the past. Don't get me started. (laughs) You know, and I'm always like, maybe we don't bring those. And I've actually, we've gone on some family trips, week plus, where I'm like, we're going to bring the Apple TV and the Nimbus controllers, and that's going to be it. If you want to play a game, you have stuff on Apple Arcade you like to do, you can do that. And then whenever we want to watch something, it's the Apple TV. And it is kind of the one home theater device. And whatever, use the TV speakers for that. I feel like the sound bar... Because they just killed the HomePod, I like the idea of it. I feel like Apple is probably not going to do a sound bar. That just doesn't feel like it. And right. the Wi-Fi router, now I'd be all about it. I was an airport user, Airport Express. I had several of those around the house. I would love to see them get back in that game. I would jump to their Wi-Fi routers. I just want to make sure that they are on the latest technologies and they're going to be like a little bit future-proofed and it's obviously mesh style. But when it comes to integrating HomeKit and all the security and privacy that Apple really leans on, I would love to see Wi-Fi routers as, or at least 
thread nodes or something like that for the Apple TV. But I really hope they keep it. Do the two-tier system. I feel like that would be a good play for Apple. Yeah, I, I think so. They, they have to broaden the product lineup. Right now, just having one model, yeah. it's just not working. And you know, you, you talk about $200 box with a controller, and you think about if you were to get a Switch Lite for $200, that doesn't dock with your TV. And so you can think about the the, the the pitch here. It's like, well, you already own a phone. We know that. Right. You can get your Apple Arcade games on your phone. Now you can get a better experience than you would with a Switch Lite for 200 bucks. Because those games that you're playing on your phone, now you can play them on your TV. Here's a controller. And you can actually play them on your TV, whereas the Switch Lite, you can't do that. It's only a mobile device. Right. So, you know, you could, you could sell on that. One of the options that I had in the piece was just abandon it. Give up, say goodbye. Oh. I don't think they'll do that for a number of reasons. Apple Arcade would be uh, hurt significantly by it. But... It's also a privacy play. I mean, yeah. your Samsung, your LG, your Vizio TVs, they running Android TV, they listen to you. They listen to the content that you're listening to, and then they match it up and then go and sell that data so they can you know, tell advertising companies who's watching what, especially for new streaming platforms where the viewership data is, is a mystery. Yeah. Uh, Apple isn't going to allow that, and that is that, that that's something where, as a company that is a privacy champion, that that would be a, a good sell for for that product. But also uh, the same thing for the router. Like they got out of the router business, but do you really want Amazon knowing all your internet traffic? Nope. And that's the thing. Like people don't realize Eero owned by Amazon now. To your point too, I really hope they don't give it up because I honestly feel like. I prefer the Apple TV, even just user experience, like the UI and the navigation. Yeah. You know, Siri remote notwithstanding, like I don't hate it, hate it. I feel like they need to change it just because it's now a meme. You know, people just talk about the Siri Apple TV remote and it's automatically a negative connotation. So they need to change it just for that. But when it comes to actually navigating the UI using the Apple TV app, yeah, there's some naming weird things. You got Apple TV plus original in the Apple TV app on your Apple TV physical. And you got, you know, I get there's all that weird naming stuff. But when it comes to using it, I have a Chromecast, I've used Amazon Fire Sticks, and I still prefer the Apple TV user interface. And so I, I hope they keep it around just for that. Yeah, totally agree. And one thing that came up a lot in the comments and on, on Twitter, people were saying, oh, they should make an Apple TV model that with a camera that does FaceTime. What are your thoughts on that? Because like, you know, we talked about the privacy implications of that. Do you think that's something that Apple would even bother doing? I, I don't think so. I mean, especially with how many different places people are going to put an Apple TV. I mean, both of mine, one is behind a TV in my bedroom and another is inside a cabinet entertainment center. So I don't see that. You know, I feel like Apple will always lean towards not putting a camera in something if they don't have to. And I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these things that people talk about, they're just solved by an iPad. Right. It's like, well, <laughs> you want to use FaceTime in your living room? Just get an iPad. It's 300 bucks. Right, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Ladder. With all that's going on in the world today with the pandemic and COVID and the economy, it just reminds me that life is fragile. And if you have people that you support, like your family, wife, and kids, it's important to know that if something happens to you, that they would be taken care of financially. I have a wife and three kids, and I've had term life insurance for years now because I just understand the importance of knowing the peace of mind that they'll be taken care of if anything happens to me. And that's why it makes sense to get life insurance, especially term coverage, like I said, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay just a little bit each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. Ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get covered. You just need a few minutes and a phone or laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. There's no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. And since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. So check out Ladder today to see if you're instantly approved. Go to ladderlife.com dot com slash apple insider that's l-a-d-d-e-r dot com slash apple insider and find out if you're approved ladderlife.com slash apple insider our thanks to ladder for sponsoring this episode all right well you had a hilarious intel editorial was this your first piece when you came back slamming intel i think so yeah (laughs) mike asked me if i could write something slamming intel so i did one and then and then i did a follow-up as well so yeah so this one 
the title of this editorial is Intel takes aim at Apple, instead shoots itself in the dongle. <laughs> I think just set the stage for your return and then the kind of temperature of, of pieces you're going to be writing. Yeah, with a with a meme picture too with uh, yes. what's, what's his face? DJ uh, Khaled. You yourself. Yeah, DJ Khaled on there. You played yourself. And honestly, this also comes on the heels like, they, you know, we talked about their ad campaign and, you know, we could hear your thoughts on it too, but just kind of falling flat just in general. Like it's not a great ad campaign. It's weird because they're really advertising Windows and PCs more than they are their own chips. And that's strange. But now Intel announced that they're going to build factories here in the U.S. to manufacture chips and might actually try to go to Apple and manufacture their ARM chips in their Intel factories to compete with TSMC, which TSMC is the company that fabricates Apple's chips now. And again, much of the success of all the A-series chips and now the M1, obviously it's Apple's development and technology, but making the chips at that scale is a big deal. So TSMC uh, is able to do that. They're on five nanometers now, probably moving towards four and three nanometer technology. And Intel has struggled, again, even with their size chips with seven nanometers. So mm-hmm. it is just hilarious. And then the, I think it was the Intel CEO made the comment Relating to this ad series the with Justin Long and the slamming Apple in these Intel ads, he said, oh, it's just competitive fun. And I don't know. From When you watch these Intel ads, I don't get the impression that they're just like having fun. It really feels like a desperate effort to say, hey, we're still here and you should buy a Windows machine over an Apple and we're in some Windows machines as Intel chips. It's just strange. The whole thing just feels sad. You know, they they had some stats on there. It's like, oh, our Intel machines uh, actually get better battery life in the Mac when you crank up the battery or when you crank up the brightness on the screen. And it was just like, what is this crap? Like, really? (laughs) And that, but like the one that, the one that killed me and that was the, this is where the shoots and the dongle came from is they got a, they tweeted out a a photo of Justin Long holding up a bunch of USB-C dongles. Like anybody know who who owns these and it's like well yeah Intel you do because you're on the USB <laughs> implementation forum so you signed off on the spec and you liked it so much that when you designed the Thunderbolt connector use the same USB-C connector to plug in right. which by the way made the whole thing even more confusing because then people don't know what works and what doesn't because it's an entirely new connector so you can't sit there and say oh what about all these dongles this is such a bad experience on the Mac when you invented it you guys are the ones that came up with this. And then you go to the front page of, of Intel's website and it says, you know, go PC, get real with Justin Long or whatever. Right. And there he is holding a, uh, I think it was an HP laptop or a Dell laptop where the only port on it is a USB-C port. And it's like, well, I thought that the, I thought the dongles were bad. So which is it? Like, it's just not a cohesive argument. And it's very clear that, you know, whatever ad agency came up with this one took long lunch breaks and <laughs> decided, oh, let's hire Justin Long because he was in the get a Mac ads. That'll be great. Yeah. And then that's it. They they, they did nothing beyond that. They're like, oh, uh, what are we going to do? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Let's go to lunch. And then they and then they threw together some really just poorly thought out ads where it's like, oh, right. look at all the colors I can get my Windows PCs in. Oh, great. Right. Yeah, thanks. It's hilarious in your follow-up piece, basically Intel to Apple. Good God, we need your business. <laughs> your header image <laughs> is uh, Oliver Twist. Please, sir, can I have some more <laughs> with Intel over the face? It's it's they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. You know, it's like oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the Windows. And by the way, this is not actually an ad for Intel processors. It's an ad for Windows PCs. So right. you know, somewhere Microsoft is very happy about this because right. it has nothing to do with Intel whatsoever. <laughs> and there they are going oh you know the experience is so much worse on a Mac because you're limited. And there are some legitimate arguments in there, including the fact that the M1 Macs don't have extended uh, external monitor support and that sort of stuff. You know, that gaming is another issue. Just before the show, I was telling you uh, that I just picked up an Intel NUC, uh, NUC, I don't know how you pronounce NUC, Next Unit of Computer, I think it's called. It's like a mini gaming PC because I can't play PC games on my MacBook and I wanted to be able to play PC games but save some space. So Intel makes this hardware. I actually use Intel hardware. But, you know, it's just like there there's the CEO on CNBC saying, well, you know, we we don't have any problems with Apple. You know, it's all in good fun. But it's like there you are begging them for your business, building right. a foundry, <laughs> hoping that you're going to be able to make chips for them while at the same time saying, oh, well, your stuff isn't as good. So which is it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just a scattershot approach. It's clear that there was no thought that went into any of this. Yeah. It's just a desperate, irrelevant company trying to get back to relevance. Yeah, and because it's Justin Long, you know, I was trying to think back, what 
advertising campaigns has Apple done that even mentions another product? And I feel like the Mac and PC ads with John Hodgman's, you know, coming up again during the M1 announcement, which wasn't really an ad campaign. I mean, that was just kind of fun at the end of their WWDC video or the uh, M1 announcement. Yeah, Apple doesn't really try to mention other brands or companies in their advertising and, and knocking them and why they're better. And I feel like that is a telltale sign of, does a company believe it has the best product or are they just trying to mudsling, like, you know, politician-wise? And Apple has a whole series of ads with the iPhone 12. They just released one with the screen hardness technology and how it won't shatter. And the ad is just a lady, you know, dropping her phone. Pretty hilarious commercial with the music. And, you know, she's fumbling mm-hmm. and trying not to drop it. But Apple doesn't mention Samsung or Android or, like, they don't mention other companies to say, look how much better this is than that. They just say, look, these are our products. Here's what they do. And we believe they're great. And when a company like Intel has to basically mention Apple in every ad in this campaign to say why Intel is better, it's just so strange. And again, weird because it's really benefiting Microsoft more than it ever would Intel. Right. Especially with like AMD Ryzen chips and more ARM coming to Windows anyway. It's just so weird. I just want to see a spike in sales of Microsoft Surface devices because (laughs) of this ad campaign, which don't feature Intel processors. (laughs) That would be the best outcome of this. But yeah, you know, like the the reason that, 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 things are the way they are with these ads is because Apple has something that a lot of these other companies don't have, and that's called taste. (laughs) Apple knows how to present things in a way and let you know what they're saying without having to to name names. And so I really enjoyed the ad that came out, I think it was last year, where it was a privacy-focused one. It was all these people walking around and announcing their credit card numbers and what their heart rate was and all that. (laughs) And you got what it was implying. It was saying, use another device and all of your information is going to be shared on the internet. Use an iPhone and it's not going to be shared on the internet. Or you think about when you connect to a uh, when you network with a Windows PC and Mac and the icon is just the ugliest gray box of a PC that you've ever seen. You know, it's like yeah. those kind of little subtle things. They're clever. They're funny. They reinforce it. Uh, and even the obnoxious bright green text that you get from a non iPhone user on your iPhone. You know, right, it's like right. it hurts your eyes. You get you're like, I don't want anything to do with this. Get an iPhone, please. I want it that does. cool blue when you message. That's me. right. Whenever I see someone in a text conversation, just at a glance and I see the green bubbles, I just think, oh, I'm so sorry. You have to, you have to message. <laughs> Someone with that, but. <laughs> and then like and I don't know what they're getting when I send it too because uh, you know they have the little character limit thing when you're typing that you can right, turn on right. where it's 160 characters yeah. and then I get I go over the 160 characters and it's like is this going to be broken up is it going to come through jumbled is it going to be weird probably, like probably. I, it's like I'm sending messages into the void and I don't know what they're going to get on the other side <laughs> it might get lost in translation or something the worst is when there's a group message and there's like a majority of iPhone users in the group message and there's like one or two androids um, and, one person breaks well, it well and someone tries to do a reaction like you know long press on a message Oh. do a thumbs up and it's like so-and-so liked this message and then it'll quote the entire text yeah and it's like, it's like, oh this is a terrible experience i feel like this is something that maybe apple could do something with i feel like you know iMessage is a closed system they can't mess with the sms technology but if it's a group message with both android and iphone at least with the reaction expressions like i don't know I'm sure they could do something like that. They they I, they they do this on purpose. They they <laughs> very think so? clearly do it. On, oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, the ugly green color, the, the the experience, it makes you feel like a snobby jerk who's like, <laughs> oh, why would you? Oh, you know, like it, it makes you feel superior, and that's good for their brand. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that they do that because I think that they have taste and they're more clever about these things than Intel, who just goes, oh, let's hire Justin Long. Uh, and then kind of has the cameras roll and put some laptops right, in right. front of them. And that's about it. You know, it is funny. Like, I don't think we're going to talk about iMessage colors in this podcast, but I think it's good. So I'm looking at an iMessage conversation right now with an Android person. And it's the green is like not a pleasing green because no. green is actually my favorite color. And like you can have hunter greens and you can have other greens that would be like pleasing to look at. But it is this like weird neonish green mm-hmm. that the contrast is not as good as like, like the blue iMessage color. Yeah, it's just not pleasing. And it's it's not a phenomenon just in like the nerd space. Like I've actually had friends who have iPhones and they'll like just make an offhand comment un- instigated like ah the green uh so you know if they're texting someone new and they're like ah it's green you know it is something that just normal people don't like yeah so yeah good marketing and and it is it's brilliant because not only is the color terrible but green is already associated with android right so now you're it's reinforcing this idea in your head as you see it that android is a subpar experience and they're not wrong i mean most of my friends that i have on android 
prefer to message me on WhatsApp oh, yeah. or on Facebook Messenger or some other platform because the texting experience, I mean, how many times has, has Google tried to, to fix this and come up with their own iMessage? Oh, there was Allo. Hangouts, yeah. Meet, yeah, I, I, all this other crap that they've done. They've launched it every time. They do a big splash and it always fails and people just stick to WhatsApp. Yeah, and let me just say, I have resisted for a long, still resisting in Instagram. I don't know if you've seen this, but if you go to the DM area of Instagram, they want you to do like this merge of Instagram and Facebook Messenger so you could do all messaging in Facebook Messenger. And I've resisted that to this day and will continue as long as I can because I careth not for Facebook Messenger. And I honestly hope, I wish it did because it is a terrible experience, but that's just my strong feelings. About it. Yeah, I don't message anybody on Facebook if I can avoid it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. It's a cesspool. You don't do that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give, I don't want to give Facebook any more information than they need to get. Yeah, very true. All right. Well, I want to hit your Apple Fitness Plus review. You have a, an epic photo of yourself as the headline image uh, doing a workout <laughs> here in your office. And it is, it's a great picture. And you look like you just came from a Nordic journey. You can thank my, my, my photographer extraordinary of a wife uh, yeah, yeah. came in and, and took photos in my tiny apartment. I said, use like the macro or whatever on the shot if you need to, but just emphasize how small this room is where I'm working out. <laughs> it is. It is small, but uh, it's a great review. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Fitness Plus, and I've been using it uh, sporadically. I do enjoy it when I do it. Uh, Amir is probably my favorite trainer on there for the, the strength training. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, we haven't heard a lot about Fitness Plus just in the space, so what was your experience with it and what made you write this piece? It really hit me, uh, you know, the crux of it was uh, the winter came here in New York and it was uh, an unseasonably snowy winter where a lot of times it'll snow here in New York and then it melts after a couple of days, but it stayed on the ground for a long time and that just leads to really unsafe conditions running. And I like to run outside and get cardio in. And I've got some, when the pandemic started, I picked up uh, some adjustable weight dumbbells and an adjustable weight kettlebell. And I was doing stuff with that. But as with any workout routine, you're doing stuff, it just starts to get old and, and you want to switch things up and you want to do stuff. And Apple Fitness Plus launched. So I tried it in the fall and I enjoyed it. And I was doing it, you know, two, three times a week or whatever. But then uh, when I couldn't run outside for like, you know, over a month, it was late January until most of February, uh, it was just like I, I didn't have any outlets. Yeah. So I just kind of embraced Apple Fitness Plus and I was doing it, you know, five, six times a week. And I, I really enjoyed the workouts. The high intensity interval training stuff was great. The weightlifting was great. I felt like, you know, it pushed me. It was challenging. Um, I liked the lengths. Uh, you know, yeah. some some days it was easier just to get in like a 10 minute workout and do something like that. You could pair and mix and match and say, well, I don't want to do 30 minutes of, of weights today. I'll do a little bit of hit, a little bit of weights, that sort of stuff. And I, I have a small space here, so my options are, are very limited. And it just it worked very well for me when I'm cooped up because it's like there's a pandemic going on. We're locked down here. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. And even if you could, it's too cold. Like I, right. I could be hanging out outside a restaurant when it's 20 degrees outside. So you just end up, you know, cooped up in your tiny apartment for a month and you need some sort of outlet. And it's, it's unhealthy. So taking care of yourself, it's not only good for yourself physically, it's good for yourself mentally as well. Having an outlet for that stuff um, and being able to do it. And yeah, it's not perfect. Um, you know, there there are some issues with it. Uh, it's hard to tell how difficult the workout is going to be when you start. They do need to have options longer than 30 minutes. Uh, you know, some people right. would want to do that. It, it can be, you know, unclear. Uh, like it would be nice to search based on equipment. Some workouts are one dumbbell. Some are two. Some are four. Some are none. Uh, some need a mat or are doing groundwork. Some aren't. So, you know, they're going to need to make some improvements to it. But... Uh, um, I think, yeah, I think it's yeah. your Brooklyn is showing through there with a hog. And speaking, speaking, speaking of a small Brooklyn apartment, you know, I live on the street here. But yeah, no, I, I really, uh, I really enjoy it. I think it's a great, I think it's a great service, and I'm looking forward to what they do with it next. That's awesome. Well, we'll check out that piece. We'll put links to that and all the articles uh, that we talked about today and Neil's new pieces. We're glad to have Neil back on Apple Insider. Don't forget to check out the HomeKit Insider podcast that comes out every Monday and Apple Insider Daily. Get the top Apple headlines in just a few minutes every day that's apple insider daily we'll put a link in show notes to that as well and we have kind of a new call out there if you listener actually have a podcast dealing with technology apple products in that space and you would like to have an apple insider staffer maybe as a guest on that podcast we'd actually love for you to contact us and we can work out something like that so we'll put a link in show notes you can email me if you have a podcast like that and you'd like an apple insider staffer on it reach out we'd love to hear from you and join you on that don't forget to give the show a five-star rating and review an apple podcast That'll really help us out. And you can also tweet at Neil and myself. I'll put our Twitter handles in the show notes as well. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll catch you next time.